Isaiah 21 and verses 11 and 12. The burden of Duma, he calleth to me out of seer. Watchman, what of the night? Watchman, what of the night? The watchman said, the morning cometh, and also the night. If you will inquire, inquire ye, return, come. Now, you probably know now why I've never preached for this. Uh, But if the Lord will help me, I'm going to today. And I'm just going to title this, What of the Night? What of the Night? Would you put your Bibles down and don't look, I don't want you to close them because we're going to be looking at some things here. But just put them down there. And uh, I want you to lift your hands. I want you to lift your voices. And I want you to ask God to speak to your heart. Would you do that? Let's pray together right now. name could we worship him one more time everybody before we're seated let's worship the Lord let's worship the Lord hallelujah praise God praise God amen amen God bless you you may be seated now if your Bible is still open to Isaiah chapter 21 um, and I'm, I'm not going to have you necessarily do this. If you feel like you can do it quickly enough to do it, you're welcome to. We are going to put it up on the screen. But we, I want to just very quickly point out to you something that, that is, to me, a bit intriguing. Um, Isaiah is... Um, unique in so many of his prophecies and there's so much about his book that is that is so profound he gives us some of the most beautiful and most accurate pictures of the coming messiah um isaiah is much quoted in the new testament and um, there, there's a lot of verses from Isaiah that I think we make reference to and we look at and we preach from. 
But this particular portion of Isaiah, here in chapter 21, you need to understand that this is, this is kind of in the middle, just over halfway through, uh, some eight different prophecies that are directed to eight separate locations. And, and each of these prophecies begin with the words, the burden. The word burden is translated from a Hebrew word which simply means message or oracle. And, and it's translated burden because it was considered to be a weight upon the prophet's heart and, and mind and shoulders that he had an obligation to deliver it to whomever God was wanting to have it delivered to. And, um, and so as you look through this, and I'm going to just very quickly, in fact, I don't even think we have to read everything in these. I just want to show you very quickly what I'm talking about here. You back up all the way to chapter 15, and, and Isaiah 15 and 1 starts like this. The burden of Moab. The burden of Moab. So then he takes all of chapters 15 and 16 and prophesies to Moab. Then in chapter 17, verse 1, we read. The burden of Damascus. The burden of Damascus. And so he has a message, an oracle from God for Damascus. And that lasts through chapters 17 and 18. Then chapter 19, verse 1 says. The burden of Egypt. The burden of Egypt. And that lasts chapters 19 and 20. And then chapter 21, things are just a bit different. And uh, in chapter 21 and verse 1, it starts out like this. The burden of the desert of the sea. Now this is it's kind of an unusual thing because he's been calling the names of, of, of particular places. He's just called it out. But now all of a sudden he gives a description, a term. And uh, most commentators agree that this was a reference to Babylon, and uh, this is important because this is during the time of Babylonian captivity that all of this has taken place, and Babylon is, is becoming the ruler of the then known world and bringing devastation to nation after nation. And so he begins this prophecy in chapter 21 and verse 1 and this prophecy only lasts 10 verses. And then we get to the verses I've read in verses 11 and 12. I'll read verse 11 again. The burden of Duma. The burden of Duma. And we'll talk about that in just a moment, who Duma is and what that's all about. But, but then, then this only lasts for two verses. And then verse 13 says... The burden upon Arabia. Arabia. And there he goes uh, in uh, this prophecy speaking to Arabia. And that goes down through uh, the end of that chapter. And then we pick up again in chapter 23 
uh, I'm sorry, chapter 22 and verse 1, and it says this. The burden of the valley of vision. The valley of vision. Again, not a name, but most, most commentators agree that this is describing Jerusalem. And so he has a, a word from God for Jerusalem. And this prophecy lasts for the entire chapter, uh, Isaiah 22. Then chapter 23 begins. The burden of Tyre. The burden of Tyre. And so this also is a full chapter long. So, so if you've got all this, the first three burdens or oracles or prophecies take up two chapters each. The last two take up one chapter each. The fourth prophecy is only ten verses long. The sixth is only five verses long. And the fifth, the one we're going to look at, is only two short verses. And yet in these two short verses, though it is brief, it is extremely profound. This is where I want to spend my time this morning, if you'll help me, for just a little while. I, I, I just want to tell you, Truth Church, I want to tell you, and I understand what Isaiah was saying when he began these prophecies with the words, the burden. This was more than just something that he wanted to say or even thought he needed to say. But, but it was weighing heavy on his heart. And there was, there was a pressing in his spirit. I, I don't doubt but what it was much like the prophet Jeremiah when he said I determined that I would, would prophesy no more in his name. He said I decided I would just shut my mouth and just stop but he said I couldn't do it because his word was in my mouth like a burning fire shut up in my bones. It was just too much. It was consuming me. I couldn't be quiet about it. I, I couldn't stop myself. And I, I, I believe that's the way Isaiah was feeling with each of these prophecies. I, 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 I can't stop myself. I've got to say what's on my heart. I've got to say what God has told me to say. And listen to me, saints. That's the way I'm feeling this morning. I, this is not just a sermon. I'm delivering a burden today. I'm, I'm delivering an oracle from God today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, this, these, these two verses, as you could tell from just reading them, uh, let's, let's read them again. Let's, let's go back, read for me again, verses 11 and 12. Isaiah 21, verses 11 and 12. Read. The burden of Duma, he called me out of Seir, watchman, what of the night? Watchman, what of the night? The watchman said, the morning cometh, and also the night. If ye will inquire, inquire ye, return, come. Uh, so, so, I've mentioned commentators a lot this morning, and you know I don't normally do that. But feeling this burden, I, I just I felt like I've got to try to figure out what's going on here, and maybe they could give me some background. Maybe they can give me some historical reference. They can give me some idea as to what's taking place. Maybe the meaning of some words or something that will 
let me know why God is drawing my attention to this passage. And what I found was that um, there's a whole lot in these two verses that the commentators just don't really agree on. In other words, they couldn't figure it out either. Um, One thing they do agree on is that when he said the burden of Duma, that this was most likely directed to Idumea. This was an abbreviated form of the name Idumea. Well, that may not mean much to, to some of you, but, but Idumea is another name for the land of Edom. Now, that ought to sound at least a little bit more familiar. I was starting to wonder if that sounded familiar. Surely you know Edom. Surely you've read enough in the Bible to recognize the name Edom. And Edom was made up of the descendants of Esau. Does anybody know who Esau was? He was that evil, corrupted twin brother of Jacob, who was the patriarch whose name was changed to Israel, the father of the 12 tribes. So Jacob's twin brother Esau, his descendants were called Edomites. And this prophecy was to to the land of Idumea, to the land of Edom, to the descendants of Esau. All right? And, and then it appears that the Edomites recognize what's going on. They've been watching Babylon, as I said, going through and overthrowing uh, city after city, nation after nation. They, they are just wiping uh, the place clean. They are, they're taking down everybody that is in their path. And Edom knows that they are no exception. And they know that there's already been destruction in their midst. And they just don't know what to do about it. And in their despair, they go running to a prophet of Israel. They go running to a man of God. And they ask him for direction. Oh, watchman, what of the night? It's awful dark here. It looks bad right now. I I, I can't even see. I I don't know which way to go. Things just aren't making sense in our minds. And we don't know where else to turn. Watchman, can you tell us about the night? Now, 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 again, they they don't really agree. And I'm, I'm sorry for all this. I, my throat's so bad, and I grabbed one of these throat lozenges, and it's making my mouth all sticky, and my lips are sticking together. And I'm having a hard time. And I'm afraid, afraid I'm going to sound like a politician that everybody knows in a few minutes, making up words. And um, so I'm trying to keep my mouth clean of all that. But anyhow, um, so, so again, th- there was disagreement among the commentators. And, and there were those who felt like that Edom was just making fun, that they were mocking 
that they were saying to Isaiah, yeah, yeah, you, we see it's, it's even in Israel. You don't really know what's going on either, Isaiah. You don't, you don't have any clue either, and you're just as bad off as we are. And, and, and they, uh, some commentators seem to think that that's what was going on. But others believe that, that uh, the Edomites were truly concerned uh, because, as I said, they saw what was going on, and they knew there wasn't a whole lot of hope for them. And they really knew deep down inside where they needed to go and and I'm going to tell you that as I begin to to, to to mull this over and think about it and pray about it and, and, and feel after God about it. I, I tend to agree with the latter viewpoint. I, I believe that the people of Edom had made their way to the prophet and, and they were wanting to know, can you give us some glimmer of hope? Is this, is this going to be over anytime soon? Are we going to survive what's going on? Can you, can you tell us, watchmen? And you know this, this and, and, and I've, I've got to hurry. I know I don't want to get too bogged down in details, but I think most of you understand that in Bible days, cities were, were walled and, and they would take a man and put him at the top of the wall. And, and usually they had a tower or something for him so that he would be above the others so he could see into the distance and, and he would know if there were armies coming and he would know uh, if, if there were wild beasts on the loose and he could see things that people in the city could not see he had a vantage point and a viewpoint that others didn't get not because he was better than them it's just because of the position that he was in and that position granted him a, a different vantage point and and so the people if they were worried about something that they've heard they've they've, they've heard a noise they think may be the rattling of chariot wheels and then they could go and cry out to the watchman watchman what of the night and he could scan the horizon and say all is well I don't see anything there, there's nothing to worry about you can go back to bed you can sleep through the night we're going to be okay tonight or I see a cloud of dust coming up you better wake everybody up and get them ready because there's a battle at hand and you know the watchman could give them fair warning and 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 that was his job and so the the, the Edomites I, I believe were a Appealing to Isaiah for some kind of, if, if, if we could say it this way, some kind of status update. Where are we in all of this? You know, in fact, some of them said that really one way to translate this what of the night is, is what time of the night is it? What, how, how close are we to the night being over? Are, are we getting close to the dawn? Is the sun going to come up anytime soon? Or, or are we still in the, in the depths of darkness? When are we going to get a glimmer of sunshine and, and be able to go back about our business again? Hallelujah. How much longer will this darkness continue? And when is it going to come to an end? Oh, I feel this this morning. Now, now as, as, as I read this, it's interesting that they cried out to the watchman twice. Watchman! What of the night? Watchman! What of the night? And I'm going to tell you, and this is just me, all right? This is, this is me. This is my opinion. But it seems to me that, that the spirit of their forefather 
something about his attitude, his demeanor had risen up in them in, in this light, on, on, in a good way. D do you remember when Esau had been sent out to kill the venison and bring it back, to uh, prepare the venison to, to go out and, and, and bring it back for his father so that his father could bless him. His father's about to die. And, and, and Rachel told Jacob, said, look, go kill this lamb and, uh, and, and this goat and put on this, you know, his, his skin on your arms and, and, and dress in Esau's clothes and go in there and let your father uh, bless you instead. And, and so Jacob had, had stolen that blessing. And, and then in comes Esau, and, and he is hoping. And, and listen, that blessing from the father meant everything. I don't have time to get into all that, but it really was important. And God honored the blessing of the patriarchs. He really did. God honored that. It, it meant something for, for someone to pass on a blessing to the following generation. And I wish I had time this morning to go into it because I still believe that God honors that. Amen. I've, I've talked a lot about my pastor and, and the man of faith that he was. And one of the things God really gifted him with was, was to be able to pray people through to the Holy Ghost. But you'd have to know he, he had prayed for months and months and months to get the Holy Ghost. Couldn't get it. And they had a man come through that had a gift for praying people through to the Holy Ghost. And that man prayed with him one time. And, and, and my pastor received the Holy Ghost when that man laid hands on him. Years later, my pastor was in a service, and, and that man that had prayed him through was getting old. And he was preaching, and he was talking about how God had used him to pray others through. And he said, I'm not going to be here much longer, and I need somebody that can pick up where I'm leaving off. And he turned to Elder Davis, and he said to him, he said, son, hurry up. Somebody's got to fill my shoes. I believe in that moment God transferred a blessing. And Elder Davis, Elder Davis had that gift. Elder Davis just had a way of praying people through. I believe God still honors it. And Esau knew. Esau knew that when, when, when his father blessed Jacob, Jacob got a blessing. But Esau wanted that blessing from his dad. And listen to what he says. This is Genesis 27, verse 34. And when Esau heard the words of his father... He cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry and said unto his father, Bless me. Bless me. Even me also. Even me also. Oh, my father. Oh, my father. And then just a few verses later, verse 38. And Esau said unto and he his, said father, to his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? One blessing, my father? Bless me, Bless even me, me also. Even me also. Oh, my father. Oh, my father. Esau lifted and up his Esau voice and wept. I'm telling you, there was something in Esau's heart at this moment. I know Esau had a lot of bad things about him, but at this moment, there was something in him that he was saying, I I've got to have that blessing from my dad. I've got to have that blessing from my dad. My dad was the child of promise that God had given to Abraham. And I know if I can get that blessing from my dad, I'm going to be all right. Bless me, even me. And now, and now, in the time of Babylonian captivity, hundreds of years later, we find the descendants of Esau running back to the prophet of Israel and saying to that prophet, what of the night, watchman? What of the night? I could just hear it. Can you bless me too? Is there a blessing for me? Is there anything you can give me? I know that God will take care of the children of Israel, but can you bless me too? 
I hear that same desperation in verse 11. At least in my mind, these people appear to be overtaken by fear and anxiety at the thought of what was upon them. And they hoped that the watchman would deliver to them some good news. That look, the night's almost over. The sun should be peeking out on the horizon just any time now. And all is going to be well. You don't have to worry about it. The night's nearly over. Now, that's what they were hoping for. But before I get into Isaiah's response, I just want to say this. And I hope that you'll take it in the spirit in which I deliver it. But for all of the bad that Esau and the Edomites had ever done up until this time, it seems to me in this brief passage, they did something right. They knew if they wanted an answer from God about the days that lie ahead, the only place they could go was to the watchman. Now I hope, I hope you'll receive this this morning. I hope you'll listen to what I'm going to say. I'm going to say it, and then I'm going to get off of it and go on to my message. But I felt, I felt last night that I needed to say this. So this is part of my burden. I'm going to tell you, if you want to know what's going on, if you want to know how to deal with what's happening in the world today, you need to go to the watchman. Ezekiel 3 verses 16 and 17 says this. And it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord, the word came, of the unto Lord me, came unto me, saying, Son, Say, of man, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman, have made thee a watchman unto, the house, unto of the house of Israel. Therefore hear Therefore, the word hear of my mouth, the word at my mouth and give them, and warning, give them from warning from me. Listen to me, saints. If you're worried about what the future holds, don't look to the news media. Don't look to social media. Don't look to any media. Look to your watchman. If you're depressed right now over the current political situation, I want to tell you, you got too much confidence in politics. You need to get back and put your faith in God. We need to understand, amen, God is not going to leave us alone. I don't care what happens. I don't care how things shake out. God has not forgotten us. It's not who sits in the White House that determines the destiny of God's people. It's who sits on the throne. And you know, this is interesting because you all know I'm a one God preacher through and through. And, and one of my favorite verses, and I think probably one of your favorite verses, is Isaiah 9-6. But there's a part of Isaiah 9-6 that we just seem to gloss right over. Uh, it, it seems like we are so anxious to get from unto us a son is given to his name shall be called the everlasting father that we don't really pay attention to something that's sandwiched right in the middle of all that so just so you understand let's put it up on the wall and let you see Isaiah 9 6 see it for yourself 
For unto us a child is born. Yeah, we know that. Unto us a son is given. Yeah. And the government shall be upon this his shoulder. This is what we forget about. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Oh, I feel this right now. The government shall be upon his shoulders. Oh, praise God. Amen. I'm going to tell you something, saints of God. Amen. God is still in control of everything. I don't care if people are stealing. I don't care if there is fraud. God is still in control. And if God wants to expose it, he can expose it. And if he chooses not to, he's got a reason not to. But we don't need to be depressed about it because the government is on his. That's the government we need to be worried about is the government that rests on his shoulders. In fact, in fact, because we're one God, we stop at verse six. We just don't even read any farther. That's all we need to know. The son's given and his name's everlasting father. That's all we need to know. But let's read just one. All I'm asking, one more verse. Just one more verse. Verse 7. The very next verse says. Of the increase of, the increase of his government. Of his what? Shall, of his Wait government. Of the increase of his what? Government. His government. And. Peace. Peace. Listen, let the world go crazy. But in his government, there's going to be peace. Of the increase of his government and the increase of his peace, there shall be no end. Let them lose their minds. Let the whole world burn down around us. But God's government and God's peace knows no end. He's going to sit on the throne of David. He's got a kingdom that he's going to order and establish with judgment and justice from this time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Listen, God's zealous. God is zealous. There's a zeal that's going to rise up in the heart of God. And he's going to make sure his government and his peace doesn't come to an end. You can't, you can't vote Jesus out. And there ain't no voting machines that's going to change enough ballots to kick him off the throne. You hear me? He's still firmly ensconced in that throne. And his kingdom's just going to get bigger and better. And he's going to keep on giving peace to his people if we'll let him give us peace. Hallelujah. So this is what I'm telling you. Saints, look, we have got to realize our answers. If, if you're worried about tomorrow, if you're worried about how things are going to shake out, you're not going to get answers out there. You're not going to get answers out there. You're going to get answers in here. And you hear me. You hear me. In fact, I'll maybe get to this in just a minute, but I've got to hurry. But you hear me. This is part of the reason why. I'm convinced this is part of the reason why. One of the first things they wanted to do was to keep us out of church. Now, I don't regret. I don't regret us taking the precautions that we took. 
I don't regret it, but I'm just going to tell you, I'm glad the day came that we said we're coming back. Because what the devil wants is to keep us out of this place. Because this is the place where peace is. This is the place where there's an everlasting government. And if we're going to be out there without this, we're in trouble. But thank God there's a place we can come. And we hear all the bad news out there. And everything looks bleak out there. But come in here. You've got a watchman. I'm going to do my best, saints of God. I pledge to you. I don't care. I don't care what happens. I don't care how old I get. As long as I'm here, I'm going to stand on the wall. And I'm going to let you know. When you want to know what of the night, I'm going to do my best to let you know what's going on. And to keep you apprised. This is what thus saith the Lord. If you're looking for direction for today, you're grieving over some wrong from, from yesterday, you're worried about what's awaiting you tomorrow, come to the watchman. I've had people say, well, I don't want to bother you. And look, I, no, seriously, I appreciate it. I do. I appreciate you feeling that way. And I don't want you to bother me about what shoes to buy and where you should go to eat lunch. That would be bothering me. But when there's something that troubles your soul, it's the devil that puts it in your mind. Well, I'm just going to be bothering the pastor to talk to him about it. No, that's what God put me here for. Because he set me in a position where I can see, not because I'm anything, but this is just the position of pastor. He lets me see things out there you can't see. How are you going to know the enemy's coming if you don't ever approach the watchman and say, what of the night? I've got this problem. I've got this situation. I don't know what to do about it. You want to know where to find out? Go to the watchman. Now, I may not have answers yet, but I'll just tell you, come back again. Let me pray. Let me talk to God. Give me some time. And I know, I know some people, some people get the idea that if I say to them, well, let me pray about it. That means I've just pushed it off. That means I don't really care about it. No, no, no. That means I care too much to tell you something off the cuff. That means I, I care too much to just, just say something off the top of my head I'm going to take some time and talk to Jesus because he's even got a better vision than I've got he can see further than I can and if I, he's, he's a watchman over the watchman he's higher up on the wall than I am and if I can get a hold of him and cry out to him he can pass things along to me alright 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 enough of that enough of that I, I'm not saying that to build myself up I just felt last night. And I don't want to get ahead of myself. But the day's coming that you need to have that relationship. And you need to know when you're facing things that could affect you spiritually, there's only one place for you to get answers. That's right. Not some carnal friend. They're not going to tell you right. They can't see even as far as you can. And if they're carnal, look where their decisions brought them. Is that where you want to end up? 
Well, hallelujah. All right, enough, enough. Let me get back to my message. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. So, so, so Edom comes to the prophet and says, Watchman, what of the night? Watchman, what of the night? And Isaiah gives this answer. And again, the commentators are scratching their heads. They don't have a clue. Let's read his answer. It's uh, verse 12, Isaiah 21, verse 12. Read. The watchman said, The morning cometh, and also the night. If ye will inquire, inquire ye, return, come. Yep. So I, I actually saw there, there was more than one commentator who said, uh, what's going on here is that Isaiah has no answer for them. And he doesn't know what to tell them. So he's basically saying, well, look, you just go home and come back another time. Maybe I'll have an answer. I, I don't see that in this verse. Um, I don't see that at all. Uh, but if, as I believe, the Edomites were afraid of the darkness in which they found themselves, and if, as I believe, the Edomites were sincere in their request. Please give us some glimmer of hope. Please tell us that morning's coming, that the night's not going to last that long. Please, watchman, tell us what time it is and tell us that we're not going to have to endure this much longer. If that's right, then to me this makes perfect sense. Because what he says is, first of all, the morning's coming. The morning's coming. The night you're in is not going to last forever. Morning will come. Now that, that no doubt made them feel good. But then he continued, the sentence is not finished. He said, the morning cometh, and also the night. Now, if, if I could, could kind of give you my own take on what he says here, the morning cometh, and also the night. What it seems to me he's saying is, yeah, yeah, there, there is a morning that's coming, but there is another night that is going to follow shortly after. The night of your present turmoil is about to end, but soon another night is coming. Now listen to me, saints. When I read this, something seized my heart. I don't know how many of you will remember. But when this whole COVID thing first started, and everybody's wondering what's going on, and it looked like we were going to have to shut down, and, and I had... I had People asking, what's going on? Is, is this, are we getting into the tribulation? Are we, what's, what's, what's happening right now? What's, 
And, and, and I told this church, I told this church, I don't know how many of you will remember, but I said to this church, this is only the precursor. Anybody remember that? This is just a dry run. There's something bigger and worse that's coming down the pike. Anybody remember? I didn't know what it was. I still don't know what it is. But I, as I read these words from Isaiah and realized what he was saying, morning's coming. There's going to be a brief time for you to get things together. You're going to have to go through this little bit of night right now. God's going to give you a little bit of respite for you to collect your thoughts, pull yourself together, get yourself in shape spiritually. But then night's coming. And when that night comes... It's going to be a whole lot worse. I believe what I'm telling you. I'm not, I'm not a prophet of doom and gloom, but I believe what I'm telling you right now. I don't know what this darker night is that is yet to come. And I'm certainly not saying that the situation in which we find ourselves right now is that. But I am telling you, church, I still feel it as strong, if not stronger, than I felt it then. There is a darkness that is coming. In fact, Brother Goff, I've been feeling the last couple of days it's already starting to settle. It, it's, it's not. And it may take it a while before it really gets pitch black. It may, it may be a long setting of the sun. I don't know. But I'm just telling you, church, there's a dark night that's coming. It's coming. It's going to happen. Now, that, that should not surprise you. If we believe the Bible, if we believe the Bible, we should know that that day's coming. So, I'm not going to leave this message on a negative note and have you walk out of here with a cloud of gloom hanging on your head. As your watchman, I feel like it's my responsibility not only to tell you that, yeah, we've been enjoying a few days of mourning, but there's another night rolling in. But I think as your watchman, I need to also tell you, here's what we got to do to prepare for it. How are we going to deal with this darkness? Does anybody even want to know? 
Or you just want to throw in the towel and quit? You want to know how to deal with the darkness? I'm going to tell you how to deal with the darkness. It's not as complicated as you think. It's really not that big of a deal for the people of God. Because I want to tell you something. How you deal with it really is dependent on your spiritual condition at the time in which the darkness settles in. So let me start out right now by talking to the children of God. Let me say to you with all of the confidence that I've got, and I've got a whole lot of confidence because God has kept me through the years, through some of the most difficult and and unbelievable situations that some of you could not even imagine that that a person could walk through but God's kept me and so I've got a lot of confidence and a lot of faith even when I don't see it he's working even when I don't feel it he's working Listen to me. We, as the children of God, we ought to know we are being led by a God who has a lot of experience at leading his people through the darkness. Oh, now, there should have been more of you responding than that. Do you remember what he did when they were walking through the wilderness? If it was time for them to move their tents in the middle of the night, do you remember what God did? Exodus 13 and 21. Now it's dark outside, but God's got a plan. Read. And the Lord went before the them Lord by went day, before them in, by a day a in a pillar of cloud to, to lead them, them the way, in the way. And by, and by night, night in, a pillar, in of fire. a pillar of fire. Listen to me, saints. He's going to send a pillar of fire. Why? To give them light. To go by day and night. You listen to me. We don't have to worry. The same God that gave the Israelites a pillar of fire to lead them through their night. God is going to give his people a pillar of fire fire he's gonna let us know this is the way this is where you need to go he's gonna lead us every step of the way this is not God's first trip through the darkness it might be ours but we've got a guide We've got a guide that's walked this way before. Now look, the pillar of fire is not the only time he did this. In fact, he did it before the pillar of fire. While they were yet in Egypt, and God had been sending plagues, he'd sent eight plagues on the Egyptians. The ninth plague... Read Exodus chapter 10. Exodus 10, verses 21 through 23. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness may over be the darkness land of Egypt. Over the land of Egypt. Even darkness which may be felt. It's so dark you can feel it. And Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm telling you, that's where we're headed, church. I. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. We're headed for a spiritual darkness so thick. 
you're going to be able to feel the darkness. But listen, listen. Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven. And there Read. was a thick darkness a thick in darkness all the land of Egypt all the land of Egypt for three days. And they Read. saw not one another. They didn't see one another. Neither rose they didn't any leave from his their place, place for three days. days. But, but all the, but children, all of the children of Israel had light, had in, their light in their dwellings. Oh, saint of God, you don't have to be afraid of the darkness. If you'll live for God, God knows how to give us light when the rest of the world is engulfed in darkness. He puts light in our dwellings. He will lead his people through this. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I think we ought to thank him again. I, I, I'm not, I, I just think we ought to. Come on, somebody. Somebody needs to shake off all that worry. Shake off all that fear and doubt. That's not of God. God's going to take care of his own. Amen. I don't care if the whole world is engulfed in darkness that they can't even see one another. God's going to give his people light. I gotta hurry. I gotta hurry. First Thessalonians five verses seven to nine. Read. For they that sleep sleep in the night, uh-huh. and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. Yeah, that's that's but, what goes. This, sinners are going to be sinners. But let and us who are of the more, day. The darker it gets, the more they're going to sin. But let us who are of the day let, be let sober. Who are of the day, not fall into that trap. Let's not act like they do. Let's not take on their behavior. Read. Putting on the breastplate of faith and love. Faith and love. And for an helmet, the hope of salvation. salvation. Why? For God hath not appointed us to wrath. Hadn't appointed us to wrath. But to obtain salvation salvation. by our Lord Jesus Christ. God hadn't appointed us. We don't have to feel the same thing everybody else is feeling. We don't have to go through what everybody else is going through. You hear me? If we'll put our confidence in God, the days ahead are not going to be bleak for the church. I said, if we'll put our confidence in God, the days ahead are not going to be bleak for the church. I wonder how many Egyptians, when they couldn't see anything, they had to have been able to see a glow on the horizon out there. Somewhere over there in Goshen, there's light. I don't know how they've got light. I don't know how it is, but there's light over there. I I just have to believe, Brother Chad, some of them had to try to make their way over there and say, I don't know what it is you people have got, but these gods sure aren't taking care of us. I want to meet your God. I want what you've got. I want to live over here. They can have Egypt. I want to live over here. Oh, God, you talk about a revival. I'm not worried about the darkness because Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Uh, Lord, I got to hurry. I got to hurry. And I I don't want to. I've brought this up a couple times lately, but it was so, so 
heavy on my heart and mind last night, but it's too late. I knew Brother Weems was already asleep. I didn't want to call him and wake him up. And I Honestly, I just forgot to call him this morning, talk to him. And I wish I would have, but I may get some of this wrong. I need to just catch him and sit down and have him tell me again. But just a few years back, God gave him a dream about this church. And what he saw was a darkness that had filled the atmosphere. Well, that dream, Brother Weems, when I started getting into this, I said, you know, there may have been more to that dream than what we even realized. There may have been a whole lot more to it than what we recognized at the time. But this darkness just covered the land. And he said, but the people of God came into God's house and began to pray. And he said, as they prayed, the angels of God came and they started fighting back that darkness. And they were opening just like a hole in the middle of that darkness right over this church. And the more that the church prayed, the bigger that hole got in the darkness until there was light that was streaming through the darkness, shining on us. But the light didn't stop here. He said it spread from here. It spread down to Lynn Valley. It spread over across the metro. It spread across our state and across this nation and, and even around the globe. When God started driving back this darkness, there were streams of light that began to break from this place. Listen to me, saints. I'm not worried about the darkness. I'm not worried about the darkness if we as the people of God will just find that place to pray if we'll get a hold of God God's gonna give us light God's gonna take care of us now I gotta close I've got to close so let me address very quickly those who are not where they need to The watchman has direction for you as well. Let's go back to Isaiah 21 verse 12 because we didn't finish that verse. See, the Edomites were not right with God. As I mentioned, there's a whole lot, and I don't have time to go through their history, but there's a whole lot they did wrong. But they did come to the right place for answers. And when they came to the watchman asking, what of the night? I'm sorry about all these intellectuals who think Isaiah just didn't have an answer. He did have an answer. And here's what he said. Read it again, 21-12. The watchman said, the morning coming. Morning's coming. And also the night. The night that's going to follow, it's, it's going to be It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. You're, you're going to. You've got a little bit of time here to try to get things in order. But that dark night's coming. It's coming. And then he said, If you will inquire. If you will inquire. Inquire ye. Now let's stop right there. And it seems to me the prophet is saying, I don't think you're going to like the answer that I'm about to give you. It's like I had 
I had someone call me one time. They just learned something about a relative, and it had just it had devastated their world because they thought that relative was one thing, and they themselves had uncovered evidence to prove that they were not what they thought they'd been. And they knew that I knew this relative. In fact, I'm related as well. And so they asked, started asking questions, and I said, "Now stop, stop right there." I said, don't ask questions. I may have told you this the other night. Don't ask questions that you don't want an answer to. I think that's what Isaiah is saying. If, if you want to inquire, inquire. If you really want to know, do you really want to know what of the night? Do you really want to know what you've got to do? I'll tell you. If you really want to know. If you will inquire, inquire. Because I've got an answer for you. I just don't think you're going to like it too well. But if you want to know, ask away. And then he gives the response. Two words. Read. Return. Return. Come. Come. Return. Come. The word return can actually be translated turn back. Or, as one translation put it, repent. Repent. In fact, in fact, the biblical illustrator Uh, said this, said the prophet's oracle to them was summed up in two words. In the warning, repent. And in the invitation, come. You want to know what to do, Edom? It's really simple. If the musicians would come. It's really simple, Edom. You want to know how to deal with the darkness that's coming? I'm going to tell you. Repent. Repent of your sins. And come to God. And only then will the answer be what you're hoping for. Because if you'll repent of your sins and you'll come to God, you're going to have the same light the people of God will have. But if you don't, you're going to have the same darkness that the rest of the world's going to experience. The choice is yours. It's not a difficult dilemma that you're in. It's just up to you to make up your mind. How bad do you want to survive this night? Are you willing to lay your life on the line? Are you willing to put everything in the altar today? Are you willing to give up your worldly desires? Are you willing to put your lusts, amen, on the altar today to crucify your flesh? If you're willing to repent, if you're willing to give it to God, if you're willing, then God says, come, come, I'll take you. I don't care if you're an Edomite. I don't care who you are. If you'll repent, you can come. Just come. I'll carry you through the night. I'll get you through the darkness. You'll be all right. These altars are open right now. Watchmen, what of the night? 
Well, morning's coming, but so is night. If you want to know how to deal with it, I'll tell you, repent and come. Repent. Repent.